0: Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one educational page of Talmud every day. And I say educational even though on today's page, Nazir 31, we come across a little bit that if read with a straight face may strike you as a little bit really almost comical. Have a listen if there were several people walking along the way. And one other person was approaching them. And one of those walking said, "'I am hereby a Nazirite "'if this person coming towards us is so-and-so.' And And another one of them said, "'I am hereby a Nazirite if this is not so-and-so.' While a third member of the group said, "'I am hereby a Nazirite "'if one of you two is a Nazirite.' And a fourth said, "'I am hereby a Nazirite "'if neither of you is a Nazirite.' And another added, I am hereby a Nazarite if both of you are Nazarites. Finally, the last person said, I am hereby a Nazarite if all you who spoke before me are Nazarites. Shemai say that they are all Nazarites. As by saying, I am hereby a Nazarite, they have accepted Nazariteship upon themselves, even if their statement turns out to be incorrect. This, friends, is the best little skit Monty Python has never recorded, but I think it is here to teach us something deeper, something about the value of spreading knowledge, of education, of spreading faith in a way that really can't be done in solitude. has to be done through education, through interaction, through conversation, which is why it gives me such great joy to welcome to this program one returning... Talmudic scholar and one brand new Talmudic scholar. They're my dear friends, the dear friends of Unorthodox Podcast. They have their own incredible podcast that you all should listen to, named Jesuitical, and they write and edit for America Magazine. Welcome to the show, Ashley McKinless and Zach
1: Davis. Thank it is you. so good to be here.
2: It is funny that you, what you pulled out of this was education, because as I was reading it, I was approaching it like an SAT question. Right. So it's like, if the friend coming down <laughs> like the road problem. is yeah. Benjamin, how many of them become Nazarites? <laughs> how long will it
0: take them to get (laughs) To Jerusalem. (laughs) Yes. Uh, It's true, but see, I, I read it, and the thing that I find so charming about it is it really kind of suggests that even something that we see as a very solitary act, someone taking a vow to be pure for God really doesn't happen in a vacuum. It happens in a group, in a conversation, in dynamic, and has to do with your interactions with others. Like if you teach me something or if you tell me something or if you help me in some way, then I will be something or not be. It really depends on our interaction, which really very few groups of humans in the course of human events have done better than Jesuits. So when you read so this, true. what comes to your mind?
1: You know, I really love this idea. You know, we're sharing knowledge, we're making a decision, but also it's influenced by something coming down the road Um, as if like, okay, this thing is coming to us and we've got to talk about it together, right? Um, As you said, uh, the Jesuits are are big into spreading the gospel, so to speak, but it's always done in community, right? So there's like me talking to God, me talking to human, and me making sense of all that in my own life. So I, I think... I admittedly had a hard time with it too, so I'm stretching a little bit here. Um, Ashley, what did you get out of this?
2: So responding to what you said about this idea of people forming people, that that does speak to what kind of like... The Jesuits have many mottos (laughs) for their education and spirituality, but one of them is in terms of their schools is forming whole persons, mind, body, and spirit, and doing that in community and doing it not only for the personal spiritual transformation of the person receiving that education, but so that they go out and spread that to others to serve the common good. And they say, men and women for others is a big catchphrase you'll hear in Jesuit education. So, like, I, and I think, you know, a little. Peer pressure, teacher pressure, is what I get out of this. It's like everyone's a little bit tentative about making this big sacrifice, but they're like, "All right, they're hedging. Maybe I'll do it, but like with the help of the group, they're they're able to get there."
0: <laughs> See, that's fascinating to me because one of my favorite teachings uh, is by the Lubavitcher Rebbe, who said, "If you know Aleph, just first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. If you know Aleph, teach Aleph." You don't have to be a rabbi. You don't have to be Mm. an expert. You don't have to be a scholar. And in this story today, these people, they're just that. They're people. It's not a group of rabbis walking down the road and one said, well, if you, then you're obliged, et cetera. They're just just dudes. And they're just saying like, okay, well, we're having this conversation. So this courage, as as you put it so beautifully, right, of saying like, hey, that's fine. I have it within me to spread the gospel as well.
1: I was thinking about more about like discerning in, in community, uh, like, this might come as a shock, Ashley and I are not Jesuit priests, but we work with <laughs> a lot of Jesuit priests, and um, for a while I was thinking about it myself, um, and this is maybe not as is hardcore as becoming a Nazarite, but Jesuits give up a lot of things. There's a lot
2: of wine for Jesuits. There's a lot of wine
1: for Jesuits. Um, some of them have long hair. Um, But it's not—for a long time, I thought it was something that I just decided myself, right? Like, it's like, okay, I've really got to, you know, boil this down to what I want out of life. And then the first time I talked to, like, a a vocations director, a person, an official representative of the Jesuits, it was like, no, this is is not a you and God conversation. This is—we discern if we want you, too, right? And so, like any family or any community, right, these decisions are made together.
0: That's wonderful. And actually, I don't know why I'm surprised to hear it, but, you know, I'm kind of surprised to hear it. Because the rabbis, by the way, are very down on the Nazarite vow. Similarly, they say, like, don't do it. Don't, don't be pure, dude. Just just be a person. Like, be mm-hmm. here. You don't have to go through these extreme, you know, lengths. Because they understand that ultimately that is not only, shall we say, probably not the best way to talk to God, but even you know quite as important, not the best way to talk to other people
1: No definitely not.
2: And wait so at the end of this passage, sorry I'm catching up, that he says none of them have to be Nazarites or none of them Well
0: that is the opinion of Okay. Uh, now uh. this is uh, this is one of the beauties of the Talmud that it very rarely uh, has, or infrequently, has conclusive decisions. It is here asking these really convoluted questions by way of forcing you to think through every bit. It doesn't want large abstractions. oh, I shall do this, because it understands that at some point, you're going to run through a brand new situation that you have no idea what to do with. So it wants to help you with all these hypotheticals, really break down what it means, Why are you taking this vow? Why are you in the position to do this? And it wants all these permutations so you could have an opportunity to think your way around all the circumference of of this huge, huge question, and then probably come back and say, no, yeah,
2: but uh, it, it does speak to the importance and value of just wrestling with the question, wrestling with what God is asking for you, even if it you end up in the exact same spot yeah. afterwards.
0: One last question for you: uh, as the world's, uh, should I say, like the world's most popular, certainly best, yeah. I would say so. Uh, All, right, yeah, uh, any superlative Catholic, you want to throw
1: on?
2: Hey, yes. If you guys get the whole universe. We can uh, get, we can get... <laughs> the,
0: the universe's best Catholic <laughs> podcast. Um, is this element of spreading? The word education is so abused, so I hate to use it. But but basically teaching, sharing, speaking, being part of this of this transformational, transformative conversation. Do you feel this when you go to work every day? Or do you just never think about it?
1: I do. I think is, you know, particularly once the pandemic started and people were sort of sheltered in and not going to their physical communities. I did not take it for granted that for a lot of people, we became a place of community, a place of education that they could access sort of at any time in their lives. I I think that's, we're only going to see that more, even as people go back out into the world. I think a lot of our faith communities are sort of like questioning what is the importance of our physical space. Um, We're still big on physical space, but we know that we can, you know, spread the gospel, so to speak, spread education through a lot of other means.
2: Yeah, I mean, the Jesuits have many august universities and colleges. But I do think specifically through the Jesuitical podcast, we are able to bring education in whatever form we mean, like, you know, talking about what's happening in the world, talking about spirituality to a group that's more on the edge. They aren't plugged into an institution, but they're questioning, they're searching, they have one foot in. And and I think sometimes everyone needs education, but like reaching those people is what really brings inspiration to our podcast.
0: Amen. Salah Ashley McKinley, Sack Davis, thank you so much for being our guest. Thanks for having us, Leo. Thanks, Leo.